It's Cecilia and Megan. Let us distract you while driving, cleaning, working out, or not working out. Actually, what in the dang heck? Just grab a drink and chill. It'll be like eavesdropping and a girl's night, all wrapped up into one. Monday, everyone. Happy <laughs> Monday. Here we are in a non-spicy episode today. Much more calm. Well, you never know. Let's be real. It's calm until it's not. And then you're like, where did that come from? And that's like, that makes sense. That's here. the whole premise. That makes sense here. Of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just right out of the left field. What in the dang heck? Okay. What in the dang yeah. heck? Well, thank you guys for hopping on with us this Monday morning. It's going to be a good one. Hopefully the weather's nice and you drive to work and uh, <laughs> let's dive right in. What about your heck yes? Okay. 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 I actually have quite a few. Ooh. So heck good yes. Yeah. I was in Charlotte. So we're recording this on Thursday. This comes out the following Monday. So last weekend I was in Charlotte for a beauty counter conference. It was phenomenal. I was with Elizabeth Marcolini Santorum all weekend. And it was just great to catch up. If you guys don't follow her on Instagram, you need to. And I'm going to yes. talk about a post she posted later in this episode. Ooh, yes. And so then when I got back from Charlotte, my dad and his sister, my aunt flew in from Scottsdale and we all drove back to my house together. So we like flew into the same airport and it was his birthday. So they have been here for five days. Um, and I just dropped them off at the airport, but it was great having family over. I mean, besides the point of like having family over and just spending time and it being amazing is that it helps so much with, you know, time going by with, you know, Patrick being gone. Yeah. So yeah, I'm so grateful for that time. That was great. And then another, my, my, Third heck yes is that I leave for Japan next weekend. So that's a good heck yes. That is a um, great heck yes. Yep. Getting now it doesn't mean Patrick comes in then. It just means that, you know, I need to get there, figure out how to start the car, put a battery back in a car, scrape mold off walls, probably. Super you know. fun stuff to look forward to. Casual things that happen. <laughs> Um, and then my last and final heck yes, is that I bought Patrick some clothes from Abercrombie men and they are, they just came in and they're so freaking handsome. So I can't wait for him to try them on, even though, I mean, who knows if they'll fit, but (laughs) I had to hit or miss when you don't see each other every six months, you know, I know I'm like, Oh, what do you look like? Oh my God. So yeah, that was a lot of heck yeses, but it's just a heck yes kind of day. So yeah, Meg, what about you? Um, My heck yes is when a mom is balancing a conversation or work while also loving her baby. So like when I walk into a chiropractic clinic and the front desk girl is holding her three-month-old baby while simultaneously replying to emails and welcoming clients into the building, heck yes. Or when my nutritionist mom friend of mine is laying out how protein stacking works to me via like an audio message and her little one fusses a little bit and she takes a moment to acknowledge her baby girl and soothe her and then picks up the convo right where she left off with me. Heck yes. I know to some like non-mom friends that may seem very scattered or unprofessional or I also do know that there are instances where every time a mom balances the both of them, it's not done well. So like, it's not just like a blanket statement when a mom is working and holding her baby. It's great. And I love it. Um, but when they're doing it gracefully and elegantly, it's just like, yes, go you. Like I support and admire this. So I've seen that a lot the past week and I was just feeling very like proud of these women. So that's, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I will say like, 
there's definitely a time and a place. If it's a super professional business meeting with a person who doesn't have oh children, yeah. it's going to feel very scattered to them. So you have to be aware of who your audience is. Totally. But then the majority of the time, it is the time and place. And mm-hmm. it's freaking awesome because you can multitask to the best of way better, yeah. way better than my capacity, right? Because I don't have kids. <laughs> it's like a learned thing for sure. And it's like a seasonal thing too, like immediate postpartum. scattered, 100% not there, not good at multitasking, but then you get into like a groove and a rhythm with it. And it's not bad. And I think the heck yes too, is also that these women are in careers and professions that support it like Mm -hmm. that. They can do that with simultaneously. And that's the same thing for my, I guess, careers, multiple things that I juggle. It's works so fluidly with having kids and balancing kids. And I'm just so grateful for that. So you chose yeah. right or God led praise me God. Right God thing. led me to the right thing. Cause I did not even consider that when I was thinking about a career, which yeah. is mind blowing. I don't know why women don't consider that more often when deciding what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Because Megan moms, Megan was a D one feminist. I was that honestly, does that explain it? That's why you didn't think of, wow, I wonder how I'm going to do this when I'm going to be a mom. (laughs) Well, but because I was like, I'm going to be a mom like someday for sure. Obviously I'm going to have kids, but like that didn't take priority in mapping out what my life, you know, I just, it wasn't, didn't hold a lot of weight in the decisions I was making as far as career and stuff, um, which is kind of sad to think about, but I was telling my dad that the other day, I was like, no dad, I was, I was 100% a feminist when Avery and I got married. I would get offended when a guy would hold a door open for me. So, and he was like, really? And I was like, yep. Ask Avery. (laughs) Fascinating. about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So my heck no is that I started to bite my nails again and I just, it's so gross and so nasty. And, oh, you are biting your nails too right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it happens for me when a big transition's about to come about, but it's just such a terrible habit. And I know once I get my veneers, I literally will not be able to, which is good, but it's just like, I'm even just showing my fingers on zoom. I'm just embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. It only happens for me now when I don't have my nails done, Mm -hmm. but it's very self-aware of you to know that it's a that happens around transition for sure. It always does. Oh yeah. I'm just like nervous Nelly, even though I'm not a nervous person, but I just like take it out with my fingers, you know, just like always like zoning out thinking with my finger in my mouth. (laughs) Yes. And then, or like when I'm driving, it's always when I'm driving for some reason. Um, but then they, they comment on it when you go to get your nails done. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, you bite your nails? And I'm like, yes, I do. Thank you. I'm just That's like, this is the only reason it. why I actually am paying you a hundred dollars to do my nails uh-huh. right now. So be grateful. <laughs> You're just not talking about it. Thanks. Like, I'm yeah. already embarrassed. You already told me so I have passion. I have really wide nail beds. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. I wouldn't even know what to do with that comment. Like they're always, whenever I do a tip, they're always yeah. like have to go in for the bigger one. And they're like, oh, oh bigger than I thought. I'm like, okay, heard that one you. a million times. I feel great about myself. <laughs> I have fat nails. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. What's your heck no? Um, My heck no is just the looming reality that postpartum leave does not exist for Avery during school, um, it's it's non-existent. He can't not go to classes. Um, and I hate that I know that I can't lean on him for full support postpartum. Not not if we want to continue to honor my body and baby boy in the way that we prioritize. Like we try to do two weeks where I don't leave the bed slash master bedroom. Um, and I know we're going to hire on help. We're going to ask for help. We have friends and family trickling in CC being one of them, but I'm just not as good as at accepting help or clarifying and like letting them in on all the things that I need as I am with Avery. Cause I just, there's people pleasing habits that I have here. Okay. And I'm just not good at, at it. And so it just sucks knowing that I can't like Avery just is not, not that he's not there, but he has classes and not only does he have classes his work comes home with him because he has classes like his work is classes so he has tests and homework and projects and whatever 
So it's not just like, oh, he's home and he's home. He's home and he has a million things to juggle for the next 48 hours before his class again and all that kind of stuff. So that's my heck no. It's weird to think that postpartum, unless he's deployed, is worse now than it will be when we're back in the military for real, for real. It's so, like, that sucks. Okay, question. <laughs> Answer. Um, If you were to like write down the things that needed to be done, would uh-huh. you feel like you're able to receive help more because it's almost like this external thing. Like you're not asking, you're just like these things on the paper need to get done. Can you help me? Not like, can you go fold the clothes? It's just like, right. Choose. (laughs) Right. Right. No. And I, that's what I have a document that I'm currently compiling for our go-to sitters. Um, because we will 100% be relying on them much more than we normally do. Um, even for things like driving Carrie to and from ballet, um, I mean, just whatever. And so I'm writing down stuff on a document right now. And I can tell that that's already helping me because I'm not having to verbalize it to them every single morning that they get there. You know, you're also not um, having to memorize it. It's just on paper. Yes. It, and then it's just like clear. It's there for them. It's there for me. I know that it's getting done. The expectations are being like verbalized and met. So it does help. But it's still just like, man, Avery, I know Avery would love to be there. I know Avery would know how to get everything done. He had the girls for 12 days while we were in France. Like Mm -hmm. he's got it under control. They're his kids. He can do it. And they want him like out of all of them. Yeah. It's sad for him too. It's not like a way out, you know? No, no, he's not just like deuces, vacation. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a heck no, but it is what it is. First world problem. I'm sure. People are like, wow, Megan is so privileged. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) Doesn't have help (laughs) with her third kid. Are you kidding me? Uh, Yeah, I'm not kidding guys. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So speaking of that, actually, I wanted to talk about Elizabeth's post in relation to that. But first the little Catholic. Okay. So Tell us about this Mary's garden statue. So I just sent CC photos of the girl's room. I just rearranged like the top four rooms, except for the master bedroom. And so Carrie and Jeannie are in the same room now. And I'm going for like a gold, dusty rose, wood, wild floral kind of vibe. If that Mm -hmm. says anything. Cottage core. Um, A little bit, a little bit, a little (laughs) boho, you know, me. Um, And this Mary's garden statue is one that I put in their room on their dresser. And it's just like, so it fits the aesthetic. She just does. She's wearing like a soft rose pink robe and she's holding a rose and there's like floral engravings on her gown. And it's just this really pretty feminine, soft depiction of Mary and a statue. And I just love it for a little girl's room. It's just like, it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, so that's, that's my hype for the little Catholic, this, um, this podcast, and you can use code heck two zero for 20% off anything in her shop, including the Mary's garden statue and all the jewelry and all the necklaces and the earrings and all the things. So everything. Okay. So if Elizabeth, you need to follow her, it's Elizabeth underscore Santorum underscore Margolini on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about this, um, when we were in Charlotte. So I want to share it. She said, I was talking to a friend, AKA me, um, (laughs) recently about how it can be hard to empathize with people who seem like they can't handle much. And she Mm -hmm. said, I get it. I've sat on the other side of the table in so many conversations when someone shares that it was the most painful thing in their life when they had to go through a few months of infertility before getting pregnant. And side note here, this is me talking, um, Elizabeth and her husband, Matt have dealt with infertility, their whole marriage, and they've adopted two beautiful children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to the caption. She says, my heart would, has been so quick to do an, an internal eye roll as my head thinks, yeah, try six years. Okay. <laughs> not, not a few months, you know? Uh, yeah. And she goes, I'm not proud of those moments, but I share it to be honest. And maybe you felt that too, about something in your life, you know, while praying about this crisis gently revealed something about these scenarios to me in the past few years. And she goes, 
a teaspoon is just as full as a cup. So a teaspoon that's filled to the capacity is mm-hmm. just as full as a cup is filled to the capacity, Yeah. right? And someone's capacity to shoulder pain and suffering or joy is different. And God has made all of us so uniquely, you know, for such a varied, for such varied crosses and joys. And right. so how can we look at one another with anything but compassion and awe for the holy struggle to pursue, you know, sanctity in the midst of suffering? So I just love that. She goes on to talk about it a little bit more, but a teaspoon is just as full as a cup. And I need to remind myself that. Same. Same. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Even if it's like, oh, I feel like I have even there shouldn't even be comparing, but just the natural human instinct is to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I have like 10 milk gallons and you Have. <laughs> and you have a juice box okay <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it feels that way you know yeah no it totally but, does I mean and it's I, the same it's the same thing where you know you've talked about before like um you know Avery's gonna be gone for a few days and then you feel bad for saying that and I'm like no, like that is a big deal because Avery isn't gone all the time, you right. know? And it's like, in that sense, your situation is just as full as my situation. It's just different. Yeah, it is. It's, it's fairly different for right? sure. Yeah. But I, there is like almost, I don't know. I feel like, cause even as a kid, before I was married to a military man, even as a kid being a military brat, being the new kid every single time, never living in my grandparents or whatever. It was like this frustration I would have all the time with peers mm-hmm. where like the littlest thing would happen. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, and so it's because you're with the military, I feel like you're just always expecting something to go wrong. You're always expecting to like have to handle something else. You're always expected to get handed another cross. Whereas I don't obviously can't speak for not being in the military because I've literally never not been in the military, but Mm -hmm. I just feel like when you're not in the military, you're a bit more in control of it. And you try to build up a comfort or like a level around or a wall, like around Mm -hmm. protect you from those things. Whereas with the military, you're just constantly anticipating what's to come something to hit the fan essentially. Yeah. What's to come. Like, I know as soon as we leave Auburn, boom, he could get deployed. Who knows? And I'm like, that's going to friggin' suck. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely harder. I think being in the military for sure. Cause it's like, yeah. I'm literally not even in control of this. Like I couldn't fix this or get away from this if I tried. So <laughs> yep. And that's why I really, I do get why, like, I understand why there is this, um, stereotype of like military wives who let themselves go mm-hmm. because it's a natural reaction when something is controlled, like very controlled, you'll swing passive. And when mm-hmm. some situation is really passive or like, there's not boundaries around it, you swing towards control. And yep. so in the military, when things are controlled, you could f- try to fight it and you will, but at some point you give up that fight because it's unrealistic, right? You can't right. control it. And so then you swing passive mm-hmm. and you don't try to structure anything in your life, right? right? It just trickles the dominoes and everything mm-hmm. else. So there's totally. not like this median of responsibility of like, this is my responsibility and this is what I can right. do and can't do. It's just like this pendulum swinging. And so I understand why, because of what you're talking about, people give up and they really right. do let themselves go. Um, right. I, I totally it. get it. But I also think that's why praise God for the Catholic church, because it molds our conscience and holds us to this standard outside of just the military. Like there's another pillar in our life that impacts our day to day. Um, and that's like the game changer. for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. And okay. So you were mentioning something too, about just like the culture of the church. Yes. About Catholic friends and Catholic relationships. Um, Avery and I noticed this. So we went to one of his buddies' grad parties this past week. He's just a single Catholic college dude, graduated, had a small grad party with his family, mm-hmm. invited us and our kids. 
Um, and we went and I almost always expect to just be chasing the girls around and be kind of invisible at events like this, to be honest with you, like not make the least amount of noise, make the least amount of mess, expect to do it Mm -hmm. all on my own, expect for no one to recognize me or see that I'm there with the kids and then go, especially because I knew it was Avery's buddy. I knew he really appreciated that Avery was there. Yeah. I wanted them to soak up the time, whatever. And as we left, I was telling Avery, I was like, that was so beautiful because not only did the grad acknowledge me and the girls and stuff but he also like entertained Carrie's goofy games her request to check out the backyard he was like yeah I'll go like do you guys care if I take Carrie to the backyard like he got up and left the conversation with his buddies and his parents to take our kid out back for a couple minutes to show her around so sweet just things that were beyond mature and like put action to the belief that we hold as Catholics in regards to the dignity of human life and the support families deserve. Um, And I just time and time, that wasn't the first time I've seen that happen in a relationship with, I mean, single Catholic, married Catholics, whatever. It's just, it's such an atmosphere or a culture of the church. And it's so, um, I don't know, it's refreshing because you don't see that culture in our world. Well, it's ordered, right? It is. It would be disordered for you not to bring your children to a like daytime grad party, you know, it's just a part of you. They come with you, right? Like that's who you are, you, you know? And so it's just ordered and it makes sense because the Catholic church provides order for our lives. Yes. And it's just so beautiful to witness too, because I guarantee there's a gain being had on his side too Mm -hmm. in making those actions or taking those actions. Um, like he is choosing, like he's having to practice discipline or he's having to practice putting his, you know, uh, what do you call it? Mouth where you, you put your money, where your mouth is. You put your money. Yes. Thank there you. There you go. Put your money where your mouth is. Um, and things like that. And just, I know that most of the guy friends that Avery has here that are single Catholic college guys, they do want to be fathers someday. And so I know that they don't take that lightly and they view this as an opportunity, like being friends with us as an opportunity to get an insight on that. Um, And we've had a couple of them say like, I don't know what I can do postpartum, but like, I'm here. So just (laughs) let me know. I'm like, can you come chase the kids around the backyard for like an hour? Yes. <laughs> can you just like put on the sprinkler and like <laughs> just supervise? Go wild, maybe wrestle carry a little bit or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's very encouraging to witness because everything else in the world tells you that kids are a burden. Everyone who doesn't have kids hates kids. No one wants you around. You're too loud. You're too messy. It's such an inconvenience to everyone. And all of our Catholic relationships tell us otherwise and prove that wrong. So I'm just like, it's just like an addition, right? It's, it's an addition to the family. And also, um, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, I was like, it just shows like met to, it shows also like men are capable, you Mm -hmm. know, like Mm -hmm. if one of Avery's friends wants to come over and help postpartum, he can cook. He's capable. Mm -hmm. He can throw laundry in. He's capable. He yep. can clean dishes. He's capable and more than willing. You know what yep. I mean? And yep. the same goes as like taking care of children. He's capable. He can yep. do it. But people don't give men the opportunity. Like, why is it so weird to think that only the wives' friends would come and help and not the yes. man's friends to come and help, even though it's both your child? Right. It's true. And even though those men that Avery's friends with want to be fathers someday. Why is it so absurd to think that they could also help or gain something from this? Like all of our go-to sitters are Catholic girls who constantly mention to me, like, I'm viewing this as like a practice as like an internship almost for motherhood. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that is so beautiful. But then you say like, oh yeah, Avery's guy friend's going to come over and cook dinner for us and hang out with the kids for an hour. And people are like, what? (laughs) No, no, no. Don't make him do that. Like, like is he over. bored? Like what's going yeah, on? Like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. No, he's just a good friend that loves our kids and wants to be a father someday. Yeah. 
that checks it's out. It's great. Like, and I know I've, I've know shared this story before, but you and I were kind of chatting about it is Patrick always said, when we have children, the first person that he's offering, like if we're in a group of people is like yes. handing the baby to a guy. Because when you're in a group of people, think of like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, young adult group, whatever it is, friends over for a bonfire, someone has a baby. They always ask the girls if they want to hold the baby. Do you want to hold the baby? They never even think to ask the guys if they want to hold a baby. And many guys don't hold a baby until it's their own baby. It's true. And Patrick's like, no, I want to hold the baby. Give me the baby. Why can't you, you know, like I want to hold it. And so he's like, I will always offer our child to the man first. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Because they are never offered it. And also men are not likely to like step in and be like, can I hold the baby? Right. Because for some reason there's this That's weird. weird. Yeah. It's huh. so bizarre. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. But hey, let's change it. Let We're working on it. We're doing we're it. <laughs> But we just automatically think like a man is incapable of doing something that's for the home or for the family. It's like, right. And no, I just, I refuse that. Yeah. I'll tell you, Patrick's better at folding clothes than me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just say nothing irritates Avery more that like we were at uh, like a, this is a non-Catholic group we're hanging out with. This is more of like a military group we're hanging out with and they all have kids and they're all running around and whatever. The guys are out back, maybe smoking cigars or watching a game or whatever. The women are inside with the kids. Carrie walks outside or wants Avery or something. And so he comes outside and he's holding Carrie and all the guys are like, Whoa, super dad. And Avery's like, that's where the, I'm holding my daughter. That's where the bar is. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> And just, so it's to be a good like, dad, you just have to pick up your kid. I know. I know. <laughs> um, and so after that moment, like that was the first time he witnessed it firsthand, how low the bar is as far as his capability, his perceived capability when it comes to fatherhood. Yeah. He's been like, absolutely not. Like I it's insulting. refuse that. It's insulting to a man that genuinely like cares and wants to be a good father. That's an insult. Yeah. And also coming from, I was raised by a single father. So I'm like, yes, literally men are capable. capable. I promise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's really good. Yeah. You turned out all right. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have some, you know, not perfect, (laughs) but (laughs) Um, okay. So and you saw the Barbie movie? Tell I me everything. Did. I'm wearing pink right now. Um, Yeah, I did. So if you haven't seen the Barbie movie yet. I have not for the record. Do you care? Like, I don't know if I'm going to spoil it. I don't think I'm going no, to. No, I've heard like a lot of reviews on it just from okay. podcasts and stuff. So I don't have a big opinion because I've heard such mixed things. Stuff. Yeah. So I, all I kept hearing was like this anger over it and how woke it was and how it portrayed men so poorly. And I was like, oh gosh. Okay. But then before I even went in, I was like, it's Barbie. What did people think it was going to, you know, have an emphasis on men? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I don't understand after having seen it, I still do not understand the like fury and anger and vitriol over social media about Barbie, especially in like the conservative circles. Like that's the circles that I'm seeing, like totally bash it and hate it and talk about their, their hurts with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was nostalgic. The, the, her house was the house, the Barbie house that we played with. Her clothes were the Barbie clothes that we had. Some of them I recognized from my grandma's basement because they lived like the vintage stuff, like the Barbie dolls themselves, the, you know, the actresses that portrayed the Barbies were all just, it was just so nostalgic. I was like, wow, this is like the Lego movie, but for girls. Um, oh my gosh. It's such a great analogy. That's so it good. It is. And then it was kind of corny. There were some things in it that I was like, okay, yeah, that was kind of tacky, but it's a doll. It's a plastic doll. Okay. So I expected that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a cinematic masterpiece, but again, I didn't expect that. I expected it to be girl focused, maybe somewhat superficial. Like it's Barbie. That's what I expect. Um, I was pleasantly surprised too with the nods and like the constant messaging of her desire, Barbie's desire to feel 
and to be feminine and to express emotion and to point out true beauty. Like there's a moment where she's sitting in the real world at a bus stop and she just looks over at this elderly woman and the elderly woman looks back at her and they just exchange eye contact for a little bit. And then Barbie just says like, you are so beautiful. And it was like, she had this realization that true beauty isn't perfection, like Barbie land portrays it as. Um, And then at the very end, her whole, like she chose to go live in reality because she wanted to feel, even if she knew reality would be uncomfortable, even if she knew there would be like uncomfy feelings, Mm -hmm. she knew she could feel real life and relationship. And she knew she could feel fulfillment in what seemed like the role of a mother, because as Ruth, the owner um, the creator of Mattel and Barbie. I think we talked, you talked about Ruth Handler. Yeah. Yeah. So they had her in the show as well, oh, or in okay. the movie as well. It was very cute. And she kind of played like a godlike creator esque mm-hmm. woman because she created Barbie. And she says, before you choose reality, I need to let you know what it looks like first. And so she has Barbie hold her hands and they close their eyes and all these like fuzzy home video looking things flash through the screen. And I was thinking it was going to be like a montage of, you know, born childhood, adolescence, college, marriage, death. Like Mm -hmm. that's the real world. (laughs) Um, And instead it was just all this montage of like children and mothers and women and relationship. And it was just so like, it was so heavily motherhood based. And then like, the flashback or the like the reality flashback or whatever turned off and she said yes like I choose reality and so it was really cool to see that she went from this perfect feminist utopia and decided she wanted reality in what seemed like motherhood down the line yeah Um, so Michael Knowles kind of had the same take yes um he was like his video was so good yeah and so as something I saw was like at the end, she goes like this, the movie ends as like, she walks into an OBGYN office Yes, and it's not like this feminist thing. It's like, no, she just, she wants to be a mother. Mm -hmm. Like that's the reality and the end of it. And Ruth Handler is an incredible woman who created Barbie. Um, if you want to know more about her, my dad has the book. Um, it's the book is named true grit he wrote it in like 2019, 2018 and, um, by Theodore Pappas. And one of the chapters is on Ruth Handler and her incredible story. And she was a mother. She went through a lot. She even lost the business at a time. She was CEO of it. And she was just a very strong woman who was also a mother and just had, you know, just incredible story. You guys have to, I highly recommend the book, obviously. Um, but yeah, one of, I think the first chapter is on Ruth Handler, True Grit by Theodore Pappas. You can get it on Amazon. Um, plug there. But, <laughs> hey, but yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoyed Ruth and her story and Mattel and Barbie. And yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think I might see it this week then. Should. Just pop in by myself. Avery, Avery listened to the Michael Knowles video and was like, wait, now I kind of feel like I want to see the movie. <laughs> yeah. And and the whole thing about like, Ken is being portrayed horribly, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, that's super freaking intentional. Like, of course he's being portrayed terribly because the land he's growing in and living in is feminist utopia barbie land and he's the shining product of what a feminist utopia would do to men across the board is it make would be, them wimpy is make them like yeah simps okay yeah. like literally um and so i just don't to me to people went in looking for things to be mad about and or they just didn't think very deeply like i don't know if your dad ever read the books or had you watched the movies of like the Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Mm -hmm. Rings or anything like that and my dad would always break down all the deep level like the theological meaning and like the different you know just like the different things that happen throughout the movie that are much deeper than the eye may just see in Mm -hmm. the screenplay and I feel like maybe that's where it's being missed with so many people and why they're like hating it because they just haven't taken the time to really digest it all and go deep with it I don't know 
but it's so hard to just assume that it was not thought through Mm -hmm. it's a movie it's an art it's a storyline and there's a producer and like all of these things were very intentional and so to not give it some more depth and thought just feels like well, great. I'm going to see it. I want to go see you it. Should. You should. I, I want to go back. I'll go back and see it with Avery shoot. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I think I'll yeah. go see it then. Um, okay. So I want to get to some voicemails, but first I want to talk about Hallow. So Hallow, you guys know them. You guys love them is a Catholic prayer app and they have something they're doing where every week they highlight a different saint and it's like the whole week. So it's like a seven day series of a different saint. And so this week, when this comes out, the, the saint that they're highlighting this week is St. Monica and St. Augustine. And I didn't know a lot about St. Monica, but she's the, she's the um, mother of St. Augustine, but Meg, you seem to know. Quite yeah. a lot about them. She's the patron saint of mothers. Okay. Um, she was married to a pagan who later converted. I believe she also, uh, St. Augustine later shares that much of his conversion was a result of his mother's faith life he was the first of three kids um and saint augustine's like a huge deal in the church like for sure his, his conversion is no small thing and he attributes much of that to his mother saint monica um so there's so much more to learn about the both of them and hal is going to dive dive into it but they're they're a cool I'm excited. I'm going to listen to this one. So, um, you can get a three month free trial at hallow, H A L L O W.com backslash what in the dang heck. And you can find all the details in our show notes, but highly recommend. I'm excited. Each episode's like under 10 minutes, super digestible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So voicemails, this voicemail that I'm about to play gave me chills and listening to it again is just going to give me chills again. So, oh gosh, here we go. Get, like tissues or anything, or are we going to be? Yeah, okay? for sure. Oh, also, if there's any little ears, um, yeah, just like pause this and play it. Not around little ears. Okay. Not because it's bad, but because it's the topic. Uh, yeah. Okay. Totally. This is embarrassing, but I just want to finish my quick thank you. Uh, you guys taught me so much about what sex could be. Um, and because of that, my husband and I stayed for a month until I could get my birth control out. And we started anew. We went to confession. We started fresh. And sex and marriage opened the life has, like, transformed my life in an amazing way. And you guys talk about how it's this amazing, you would talk about this amazing, sacred, out of this world thing, sex and marriage is unlike any other sex. And I honestly didn't believe you until, until I was able to try it, until I truly had sex as it was intended by God. And all of this is just to say, you guys have changed my life and my marriage without meaning to. And I am so grateful to God for you. And he is doing amazing work through your hands, and I'm crying. <laughs> and it's just a thank you. Um, you guys are strong women, obviously, but you have brought so much more God into my life, so much more faith, and I will never stop sharing it. And that's it. That was a long, gushy thank you. Um, thanks for letting me share. Okay. Wow. That was, I started to tear up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminded me of some of the conversations we had in France with our girls. Um, it's hard to know if anything that we're doing or saying or sharing with you guys is actually benefiting you in any capacity, but especially in like a spiritual realm, because we just, we don't know. We just air it every week and we hope for the best. And we try Well, this to... isn't also like a spiritual on like no, a, like a, a theological talk. podcast on purpose because some people just can't receive spiritual information in the format of it just being theology. Right. And I just wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel, um, 
I don't know, like I have enough knowledge or resource to own a theology based <laughs> podcast. I stay in my lane. Okay. I know we know <laughs> our lane. We stay in it. Um, but when something that we feel so passionately, passionately about that has impacted our personal and marital spiritual relationships so heavily, and we share it with you guys to know that it benefits your marriage and it benefits your walk with the Lord is like, okay, I could die. I'm good. Like, I feel like I've done, (laughs) I've done something good (laughs) in this life. Yeah. Um, and it just, it truly does. Like I, I could hear the joy and peace you had in your voice sharing about how much it's impacted your marriage, because I know firsthand, like you said, you didn't believe us, but I know firsthand how freeing it is to view sex that way with your husband, mm-hmm. um, and to get to experience it like that. And so it just makes me very excited. Very and excited seriously, like all glory to God, mm-hmm. like we had to come upon this truth ourselves and right. had to have our own journey with that and everyone wrestle with their, it a little <laughs> yeah like everyone's <laughs> on their own timeline for that and just the freedom that is coming to you all and and is like the freedom you're living in right now is probably incomparable to anything else right i also just thought about how much god's probably smiling yeah. For, like for you and your spouse right now, like you were like, we got off birth control. We went to confession. We started, started clean. And none of that is easy. Um, but all it takes of a it, lot of humility. It takes a lot of humility and, and courage. Takes, yes. Um, and I just know God is just like, I picture just a proud dad and he's just yeah. smiling. And that just like, Um, (laughs) well, I know that your story is going to encourage so many others because it's not us saying this. It's, you know, as much as probably courage in general, it took for you to say this and, and like leave a voicemail saying this, it's going to have such a ripple effect. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Okay. So, um, next is totally shifting topics here. (laughs) We're just going to go high, low, zero to a hundred. Okay. Wait, actually, can you share the candle that you have lit behind you? (laughs) It's gotta be homey in here while we're recording. Okay. It's a Pax Rosa candle. Um, Tasha, she's the owner of Pax Rosa. She's Catholic wife and mom. She's also expecting a baby boy in October, which is like twins. Okay. Anyways, the candle that I have um, from her is titled The Great Flood and it's soy wax. Um, There are notes of lemon, orange. I'm just going to like lay this out for you so you feel like you're here as if you could like smell through the podcast, right? (laughs) Lemon, orange, and fresh ozone give way to a heart of briny sea salt and a hint of jasmine. The oil is infused with natural essential oils, including cedarwood and orange. It's just like fresh with a pop and it's just so good. And the whole point of the candles that she hand pours and creates is to rekindle the habit of prayer. So her hope is that her candles serve as reminders to make time for the Lord each and every day and help you to meditate on a story in scripture or life of the saint that's represented on her candles. Um, so yeah, I love that. You know what? I'm only going to light mine when I pray. So then I look forward to it. I'm halfway through mine. That's how much I love it. So, but she gives us a code because she's generous. Um, heck one zero for 10% off your order at Pax Rosa, all the links to everything, including her Instagram and website are in our show notes. And what I will say about her candles is that the scent lasts. So like when I burn mine and then blow it out and then go somewhere and come back to my house, when I open up the door, yes, it lasts. So I appreciate it. (laughs) That is quality. (laughs) That is so true. Yeah. Okay. This next voicemail is totally shifting topics. Um, (laughs) Megan, you're going to laugh. Okay. Hi girls. This is anonymous again. I called back a few days ago and I wanted to clarify a few few things. Um, so I called him with a heck yes and heck no. And the heck no was, um, a guy who just happened to have 
differences that, like, I'm not sure if I'd be willing to compromise. Like, he said he wanted a homestead um, when I'm not sure if I would want to, yes, like, have a homestead in the future. And then he brought that up on the second date. Um, so I wanted to know your views on homesteading, uh, if you would ever do it, if you've ever thought about doing it. Um, and also, yeah, he said something about the vaccines, um, how he's anti-vax, all vaccines, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I, I'm just not sure about this. I'm not sure if I'm pro, anti. I think I'm leaning towards the cautious side, um, especially for young kids and and new vaccines. So, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on both these things. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening to me. And, yeah, I, I thank you guys so much for your podcast. God bless. Bye. Okay, so what happened is she called in, she went on a date or whatever, and she's like, he has these opinions, like, really strong, but I feel like I don't fully agree or I don't even know yeah. what I think about these. And it was just, like, came on really strong. So what are your thoughts on homesteading, Megan? Um, I think, by the way, I think people are going to be surprised about your answer. I think they are, too, because I think people, like, we joke about having a homestead, and we, you know, I make sourdough bread sometimes. We... We feel a type of way on vaccines. Like there's, we fit that category, right? Um, but this is why you can't put people in a box because I, you, there's nothing good about being on 20 acres of land by yourself with your family and being like very far from culture and civilization and not being in a community. Right. That's like you can life. have 20 acres, but if you're in the middle of absolutely nowhere, nowhere, like 50 yes. minutes to the yes. nearest gas station kind of situation. Yes. That's a recipe for like nothing good happens to the families that move off, off grid essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's like, you can take our word for it, or you can just look up any of the, I mean, Waco, Texas, you can look up the one that happened in Colorado where it was a family who was Christian and they moved, I think it was Colorado. They moved off and like off grid. And then there was a shootout, like just nothing good happened. We personally know three yes. families who have done this all separately. They didn't, these are like isolated incidents Yes, who were Catholic and moved quote unquote off the grid to quote unquote homestead and have their animals and land and yeah, whatever it is and homeschool 10 children, the dream, yeah. the quote unquote dream. And like, they're not Catholic anymore because that, they like there went was like down. abuse or like, yeah, like weird not... stuff. And they like went down like tunnel like weird like yes. you know just spiraled because there's not that natural accountability when you're around a community right and it's you just can't hide. you can't hide in a community you can hide yes off grid right that's a scary thought <laughs> we we yeah we like literally know three different examples that we could yeah. that we think of yeah of families who this happened to. So, I mean, obviously these are extremes. I'm sure there's yes. great scenarios, but they, I just well, don't know anyone. And I'll share this too. Like, I think there's a difference between having land and being like, there's people that have land 15 minutes down the road from us. That's one thing like that. That's still very much in a community. You are not alone. You are not hiding. Having a homestead. I just think immediately that you can survive without anyone else around you yeah and that is your goal in having a homestead and but the thing is like I don't that, even like, want like there's no desire of me to like oh have yeah that doesn't shock anyone animals like, nope I'm good crops <laughs> like I understand a tomato bush <laughs> tomato, tomato bush. plant sorry tomato plant oh my a God. tomato plant you know the lettuce like I'll probably have my own garden you know like yeah. I get that but the whole like cow situation, I'm not convinced on that one either. Like Avery I get it. If you're it. a farmer, you're a dairy farmer, you know, like you do your thing, you know, we need them. But like, for me, just to have a cow to like support my, my own, you know, domestic family, church yeah. family situation, no part of me, even for a second ever even entertain that thought. Same. <laughs> Literally same. The only thing is I want raw milk, but not enough to have a cow. Okay. Let's just yeah. say that. Um mm -mm. I, I would rather pay 
paying like to get it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what was really funny was I was listening to a podcast and he was saying like his wife wants a cow or a goat or whatever. And he was like, you're telling me that you're going to milk the goat. And she was saying, you just could save us money. He's like, who drinks the goat milk? I don't right. drink goat milk. None uh, of us drink. What kind of money? We're not even spending money on goat milk. How are we saving money? money. <laughs> yes, it's true. And that's what I always think about too. When Avery throws out like, what if we got a cow? Someday? Like, I'd love to have like one cow, like a milk cow, maybe and a couple beef cows. I'm like, so are you waking up at 5 a.m. every morning? Because I sure as heck know you're not doing that right now. Like, <laughs> you're going to be waking up at 5 a.m. every morning and milking this cow and at 11 p.m. at night every night. No. No. And like, we probably sound so ignorant. We, we probably, probably sound, do. Yeah, because we don't Whatever. know how many times you milk. I don't know. Do you milk a cow Well, I follow a ballerina farm and she milks a cow at those times. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm at good. 11 p.m. Heck there's no. been a couple times where she'll be it'll be in the middle of the winter this is what kind of solidified my thoughts on this <laughs> middle of the winter she it's like 11 p.m. her and her husband are like doing the final things for the farm for that day only to pick it up and do it again the next day and a uh, milking the cow was one of them or milking the sheep or something and I was like nope but yeah I mean those are those are our thoughts obviously mold your own as far as the other things she asked for thoughts on I'm hesitant to share much on here because you get immediately canceled. So just follow me on Instagram. Check out my motherhood highlight. That's where a lot of vaccine info stuff lives. (laughs) And I don't know if you have specific views on it. Mine have grown over the past three years. Um, Having a kid during the (laughs) CVID, it really changed the game for us. So that's when we started questioning some things. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty like, I'm not one way or the other. I'm, I have opinions about it, but I'm not like one extreme to the other extreme. I'm definitely like anti give them all when they want to give them. Yeah. Um, I'm also most people are these days. mm -hmm. We're not doing that. And then like, it was like the HPV one, for example, is for a sexually transmitted disease. And then like the potential like cons or risks of getting this one mm-hmm. vaccine were like, you know, I don't know, prostate cancer, uterine cancer. Like, no, we are raising our kids a certain way to be sex a certain way. And we are not going to get this for that reason. And that I remember that actually because it's around when you're like a teenager that they wanted to give it to you. And I remember that like honing home the weight of sex even more like Mm. oh this like my parents now are telling the doctor no we trust our kids to make the morally sound decision and to like this is not even an issue like we're not even second guessing whether or not to get this one yeah I was like oh shoot okay yeah you're right (laughs) I mean here's Um, the thing like I will I'm just to me it's like not even on the table right now so it's not even in your radar like it doesn't I don't have a massive opinion about it I'm not all of them and I'm also not none of them but it doesn't mean that I'm not never gonna be all none of them you know what I mean like it's just like I don't need to develop an opinion about it right now right um but I'm sure when I do I'll listen I'll watch Candace Owen shot in a dark because oh my gosh she lays it all out she did the research like I am not I I'll tell you right now I'm not going to do the research on every single one I want to it's impossible where it was done for me you know yep so she, they go, just go there. Screw my motherhood highlight. Just go to Candace Owens shot in the dark. She and then literally you can decide. has it all there. Yeah. You can decide Absolutely. from the information. So to me, I'm, I'm pretty neutral about it. I'm like, I don't really have an opinion if you do all of it or you do none of it. I'm like, right. That's why it's your kid and you raise yes. them. Right. Yes. I'm not agreed. Yeah. So I literally could care less. I just, if you're going to ask for our opinions or our thoughts or resources, we'll give them to you. And then that's your responsibility, your like personal how you, responsibility to do the. Yes. Like, like how you raise your kid morally. Like for instance, okay. If I'm letting my kid hang around someone who has different morals 
in a very, like very wildly different morals, that's a problem. But if I'm letting my kid hang around someone, if my kid isn't vaccinated and their kid is, that's not affecting my kid. Like, you know what I mean? Some would argue it is, but yes, not in the same degree. It's not tearing down society as we know it. Like, right. right. So I'm just like very, there's not many things I'm you do you on, but with that, you do you, you, do, you. you know <laughs> oh wow you guys cc's giving out a got out of jail free card no you it's you. like <laughs> people know different things i'm like my you know most of our parents had no idea like it's right just, no it's true just didn't know and also we had like one third of them then they one that fifth too. of them than that they do too. now so like our yeah. parents would probably make different decisions now if we were born than back then because right. It just wasn't have, as many. Yeah. There wasn't as many and you didn't have the knowledge and the resources at your fingertips like you do now as well. Yeah. Like you need to crack open encyclopedia if you want to figure things yeah. out. You got to oh, pull really? the insert out of the box and get a magnifying glass out and then read through every single ingredient. <laughs> like, yeah. Impossible. Yeah. You know? So I don't think we've ever touched this topic on the podcast, but I mean, no. We haven't. Yeah. People know what Megan think. Now you guys yeah, know I was going to say, so you, <laughs> I don't know why you're asking unless you don't follow my personal page. Cause it's very clear there. Um, <laughs> my thoughts and opinions on it, but. Okay. So this last one, you're going to crack up Megan. <laughs> okay. Hi, this is Jesse. I was just listening to the episode. Actually, I don't even know what the title was, um, but you guys were talking about modesty and pregnancy bellies. And I was laughing to myself because I'm not trying to change anyone's mind. Just here's my hot take on it. I, my belly was so uncomfortable and I'm like, I just need my shirt off. And the modesty piece of it, I was like, you know, this is not sexy. Like no one's looking at me with lust when my big old belly's hanging out, except for my husband. And that's not lust. (laughs) Just my opinion on it. Love the show. Bye. This is Valid. everything. The, no, it's literally so true. Even if you have, I was thinking about this the other day. I've got those cute dresses that are like fitted. The pregnancy with the ruching on the side almost mm-hmm. so that stretches to fit around your belly. And they're super cute because they show off your belly and it's so great. I have not touched one of those dresses this entire pregnancy because I'm like, I don't want it on my stomach. Like I don't want that fabric on my stomach. Same thing with like putting pants on or a skirt on if the band is on my stomach it needs to go off it needs to be off that's so funny like it just needs to not be there so I will roll the pants down so that they're underneath my belly and have like a crop top or like a sports bra on top as often as possible so that or I'll just wear you guys see me all the time these days wearing like flowy dresses because it's not tight backs I'm wearing like, so it's not for lap sacks it's literally not even like oh I just want to be more beautiful and wear a more modest dress every day no like part of it is straight up comfort okay like it's comfier because there's well, no even not pregnant stomach not pregnant I love dresses because of that I hate when the right. band is shoving in my stomach right it's I awful. couldn't imagine pregnant I guess that makes a lot of sense I just thought you know maybe it's just like stiffer so you don't feel it as much because it's not digging into your organs since you have like a child in between that skin and the organ everything just already feels so tight and then when you've got something on top of it you're like I just need this belly to be out like you feel we went to the pool today and I put a bikini on because it's the only thing that fits me now as far as swimsuits go and I was like this is glorious like (laughs) this is and there wasn't a single bit of me that was like oh yeah I am the model everyone is looking at at this pool today. Um, There was actually no one there. So it worked out really well. But yeah, that is the most relatable thing ever. I get it. I get it. Then I also am like, I haven't been pregnant. So like... Well, you also brought up that argument as a whole in general, because you know me and you know, I think I'm sexy when I'm pregnant. So it's a valid argument. (laughs) (laughs) Not only is it like, oh, there's a band on me, but I also do feel another type of beautiful when I'm pregnant. So I just think it's a good, good question to pose. It is. Sometimes you just need to be checked a little. Yes, um, you do that. I'm very so <laughs> grateful. So grateful. <laughs> so 
this was good. This was good. It's nine. We need to go to bed, but we have actually, you guys, when you hear this, we would have just done our Patreon call. So super excited to catch up with our girls. Um, every, the first, the second Sunday of every month we do a Patreon call and, um, it's an hour on zoom and we just have such a blast. And so if you want to support us on Patreon, you can find that in our show notes and it's just a monthly donation of whatever you choose. Um, but we would just be so grateful. So you can check that out, check out all of our sponsors and make sure to, Leave a voicemail at 312-775-2615 and we will see you next Monday. Love you guys. Bye. Love ya. Bye. Thanks a ton for listening to the What in the Dang Heck podcast. We'd love to hear your What in the Dang Heck moments. So call our hotline at 312-775-2615. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rate and review, share with your best friend, and might as well follow us on Instagram while you're at it.